Welcome to First Time Parents. Griffo's just walked through the door and he is in a good mood. Yay. <laughs> Didn't even have time to get changed. I was going to, I thought you were going to say to have a shit. No, that was done at work. Uh, today, I'm really excited about this guest because this is something that we have talked about in our relationship. It's the rage within a parent and not being able to hold their emotions. And what I love about Alan, who is going to be joining us in just a minute, is he wrote an article for Mamma Mia, which is an online women's network here in Australia, and he tells his story very openly about how his wife has pretty much helped him become the father that he always wanted to be but didn't know how to be. And so what I love about this guy is his vibe, his energy, and just how he wants to change the world by sharing his story. Good on him. Let's see him, mate. Let's yeah. see him on. Yo. Yo, hey. Alan, how are you? I'm well. How are you? What's going on? This is Griffo. Hey, mate. How are you? What's going on? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Awesome for you to join us on First Time Parents. Um, I was just saying to Griffo, I'm really excited about having you on because I feel like your story is so many, whether it's, you know, the dad or the mum, one of the parents that feels that rage inside and doesn't know how to handle it with their kids, even me. Like I sometimes am triggered as fuck and feel like it's my past coming back to haunt me in in those moments. Um, so Al, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we, you know, before we dive into the rage and how you've gone from, you know, being this dad who was suffering with mental health and, um, alcoholism and, you know, all of these different challenges to become the dad that you are today? Yeah, no, thank, first of all, thank you again for having me. Um, so like the thing is I don't have like a really or childhood. Um, like I actually have really, really good parents who loved me um, when, you know, went to a Christian school um, and all those normal things, right? Um, but I think what sort of the biggest aspect that I can sort of really pull out that's really impacted my mental health is the idea that, um, it, you know, everything is okay. And especially in society for men, it's sort of like she'll be right, which is like, for the most part, sometimes you just do need to carry on, um, but it's just a it's just a blanket approach to everything. And unfortunately, what happens is, like as humans, both men and women, um, but like we we like when emotion comes up, you've had a shit day, whatever the case is. Um, my go to was like you know, drinking um, and then drinking leads to cocaine and it leads to like drugs and it leads to gambling and it leads to like just, you know, doing shitty things. And whilst it's all fun, you know, to begin with, um, you especially like, you know, starting a business and and trying to make moves with my career and other things, it just, it got in the way a lot. And I probably didn't realise it was it was really when I had kids that I really, it really came to me that like, fuck, this is really getting in the way. Um, and to the point where my wife, um, you know, she she hasn't really done drugs. Like she's had, like she smoked weed a couple of times and, you know, smoked cigarettes and, and things like that. Um, but she was the one who sort of really helped me and realised that like, oh, like I've, I've got to really pull my act together 
on behalf, like for our kids, um, but more importantly, myself, so I can be a better father for our kids and, and everything else as well. So that's where it sort of all began. Um, and then I think as you have kids and, and you guys know this, you have kids and what sort of happens is any traits and anything that you had as a child, you, it just automatically comes out. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, and so for me, like my dad, the loving and caring person in the years and, and it's probably just a generational thing. Like he was obviously smacked and, and, and whatnot, but it was in a way that it was sort of like is, and with all the love and respect, cause I've got a really, really good mum and dad, but like he used to, like, it was like matching the, the rage or intensity. Like if I'm being naughty or if I've had like, you know, chunked up for the day and I'm come home and I'm yelling or whatever the case is, it's matching and increasing the intensity in which like whether the smack or yell or whatever the case is. And, um, and it's sort of like using fear to stop someone from being naughty. Right. And I didn't realize that until it was me in that seat doing those things. And it made me realize, fuck, like, you know, I don't ever want to be coming. I don't ever want to put, be putting the fear of God into my kids. Um, you know, it just, it's not a nice way to be, um, you know, because I know that like there were element, like there were times in my life, I was very resentful against my parents, even though they, you know, looked after us and whatnot, I was very resentful. And that rage really does come out later on in life in ways and areas that you just don't expect and even don't plan for it to come out either. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I sent Griffo your article and, you know, when you wrote about, um, you know, the rage and that, that you felt, but can you just, so your dad and like, I get it as well. Like my dad, good people. I see them a lot now, but you know, there was, he didn't know how to express his stress. And so that would come out, you know, in his parenting and, you know, I know with your dad, we wrote an art, you wrote an article recently for Mamma Mia and you described kind of like the tools in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, is that what you mean by like the intensity of, yeah. like, he would, he would be like, oh, what was it? Spanky. No, it's, yeah. Whatever. No, I'll, t- I'll walk <laughs> That'd be through sexual, them, that one. Right? <laughs> no. So look, what the, like, it's a little bit of a running joke, but the problem is that the joke only went so far, right? So what you're referring to is my dad used to have names for all of his, like, stuff that he'd hit us with, right? So there's Billy Barbecue, Sammy Spackspoon, Connie Conduit, um, Billy, uh, Barry Belt, um, and there's a few others, right? And it all, like, it'd be a laughing joke until, but he would, he would like, it would be a joke and then he'd use, but still use those in combination with fear. And it was sort of like, a, it, and again, this was, it's just a cultural thing because he probably had the exact same thing happen to him when he was a, when he was growing yeah. up. And I'm assuming, you know, it's just. It's well, just they used the to have the, the cane at school. Yeah. Like, it was normal, you know, yeah. like it was normal to beat kids. Like, yeah. Yeah. And look, I think the thing is um, for the most part, like it's, I, I, yeah, and again, like it's it's a difficult conversation because it's not like um, like I don't condone smacking and and things like that. But I guess the the thing is, it's probably the fear element that I'll, I'll probably mm-hmm. say the really the really really bad element of of 
everything. Um, and so, yeah, so like my dad would use, it was just matching fear, like in matching or increasing the intensity of fear with these different, you know, things. And then also, you know, just it, it's also with his voice as well. And that that's one thing I probably didn't realize is like, you know, even um, so I work from home, I'm home right now. And my kids are like in the, you know, in the lounge room and whatnot. And it's really interesting because um, even as parents, you don't realize how loud you can be or like, especially for me, like how, how, like how much your voice and you can use your voice and it can be really, um, it can add a lot of fear if like when you're angry and there's that rage and all those other things as well. And you just don't realize the power that you have for these little children who are like, you know, just working out the world for themselves and at everything else as well. Yeah. yeah I think that's a, that's a big thing, isn't it? Like it's the fear. And so you came into this relationship with Jess, you've got two beautiful kids. Um, I think how old are they now, Al? Yeah, so um, Oscar's six and Ruby's eight. Yeah, and so what was, the, what was the turning point for you? So you had kind of that role model of, like you said, a good parent, but like there was the the fear that was kind of drummed into you and then you started to see that in your own parenting? Yeah, it was really um, because I don't think there's nothing that I could really, I don't think there was anything I could really say or suggest to myself even before I had kids, because it's kids are the like you you guys would know this, like kids are having the like having the ultimate mirror. You see yourselves in them, um, your traits and and what you do and all those other things. And it's not until you start seeing then little nuances and it's like, I know where that came from and and everything else, right? No. And so as you start to see it, it's I think the connection that I made is like you you see yourself as a child in them and you realize through like seeing them through seeing you like this whole matrix of like you know all these levels and all the all inception levels um that really like you're just repeating the same fear that you copped when you were young and until you identify it be aware of it and break the cycle of it it's just going to continue to happen so I think the first thing was it's not it's not like I you know immediately woke up one day and and it's like oh I'm just going to change everything. It took time, um, took a lot of just telling me to fuck off and go for a walk, um, but also with a lot of love. And so Jess, you know, in my article, what I mentioned is Jess really led the way. Like to be able to you know, and you guys will know this. Like when you can stand firm and. Really, your kids are going mental and you can see through the, the loud noises and, and them throwing shit and all the other things and you can sit through it and just see like they're just upset and just let all the mayhem go on and then wait for them to come back and like be really present with you. Like I watched Jess do that multiple times. And so what I one of the things I read um, wrote in the article was she led the way. She really showed me what it was and what she wanted me to help like effectively model. Um, and then the second thing was, yeah, like giving me the time to breathe as well, because again, like my natural reaction is to increase the intensity and fear. And so when I wasn't in the state of mind, she knew that like, 
just like the kids need time, I need a time. So she'd tell me to go for a drive, but just remind me that's not how you work. And like, this is not how we operate. Fuck off and come back when you're ready. Um, so enough of that. And then also I think even just helping me to understand and like the last part I've mentioned, you know, like us as kids and things like that and really helping us, us to helping me to understand that it's not it's not treating them like adults it's treating them like still treating them like kids and and giving them the support and love and support they need but treating them with respect i think is probably the 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 thing the the last point that i'd like to make is because you know i like when i'm you know tapped out i can go for a drive to the beach i can go for i can go for a drive i can go for a walk i can do whatever i need to do they can't like they come home because their home is a sanctuary. The home is the place that they, they come to declutter and, and, you know, release all the shit from their days. And so to be able to have, you know, this house and this home as a place, a safe place that they can really, you know, just open up and, and everything else. That's really, really important. So, yeah. Mm, that that part of expressing like when they get home isn't it yeah I mean a lot of what you just said then um our stories might be similar-ish but with Heidi she very much brings a lot of that to the table and I'm slowly getting there I suppose it's uh, certainly not an overnight thing that you absolutely not and you completely change but a lot of things resonate of what you said that uh just led the way as Heidi leads the way around here of holding the space for the kid, making sure that they feel safe, they've come home to um, unleash. And it is hard to see because you're like, well, so have I, but you, and that's probably where my maturity level drops off a bit because I lie myself to them. And, <laughs> and you're like, well, fuck off. I've had a shit day too. Now you're being a little turd. Like, yeah, you know, go to your room exactly. piss off somewhere and I want to piss off somewhere. But, you know, it is also being the parent and being the mature yeah. one to go, right, well, the kid needs the attention. Yeah will come down hopefully you can bring them down to some normal level headed yeah area, and then you can have your time because sometimes yeah. you just got to prioritize other people before you but, but just even on that like it and it as they get older like the mind games get even worse as well and so sometimes they'll like intentionally yes better is what you're saying yeah, yeah that's it. right like even like my my daughter doesn't necessarily do it to me because um, she's seen how angry I get and and need it. Like I'm much better now, but she sometimes plays mind games with mum and I'm like, and that that's that was sometimes my trigger is watching her like get under mum's skin and I was it's like, a- oh, oh you little shit. Yeah, so. She plays into it. <laughs> what I mean, it's not that I play into it, it's that I go, if my son's asking me for a hug and like he's yeah. you know, done something or whatever, of course I'm going to give him a hug. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to take that away from him. To. No, I'm but like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's he's this. weaseling his way in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we should. He's my son who's three and a half. But yeah, I thought when, when you shared your story and when, you know, I think in so many families, this is this, we're seeing this modeled all the time. Yeah. Like, not saying it's all the dads that are rages. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I can rage, like I raged on the weekend and I've talked about it on this podcast when it's like a, there's just only so many, so much you can take. Yeah. And, you know, you're not necessarily a screamer rager or like, do you know what I mean? But it's more like, you know, I think you wrote like when the kid would throw something or whatever and it's like, so you go to throw it back. Like that's something that Griffo would do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like retaliating in the same energy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like there's, if there's like, you know, let's say they've thrown something and there's a soccer ball or a football and I can throw it against a wall or throw it somewhere that like, yeah, matches or increase with more intensity. Yeah. That's, um, that's sometimes it's, it's like I'm getting my own anger out, but sometimes it can actually, it's just creating more fear in into the situation and circumstance. And so it's it's really hard because exactly like you said, Griffo, like you get home from a day and you've got your own stuff to deal with. And then and it's and it's so difficult. And so I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm the perfect A-class father now. Um, I'm still like still make mistakes and still get angry and I still have my shit days and all those other things. But I think even just like yeah, it's, I'm just really grateful that like we can talk about it and and obviously just air it because nothing happens unless you start to identify some of those areas and some of those things as well. So yeah. Mm. yeah. And what about like so? Your do you reckon that since you've stopped drinking, has that helped with all of this? Like so, that was pretty much the the culprit for you. Yeah, like alcohol was the gateway for everything for me. Um, and I would say that more importantly than like not only the gateway, um, it's like my my mental health, like I, I'm very fortunate to have Jess who really helped and supported me, as I mentioned, but also like in, you know, in business, Heidi, like you can't, like there's just days you just need to be on and when I, the first year that I gave up alcohol was 2020. Like, so I gave up, you know, I, I, so it was March of 2020 that I gave up, like right as COVID, you know, the, the lockdowns and all the other shit started, right? Wow. And then um, by the end of that year, you know, we were borrowing money to like pay for Christmas presents and all these other things, let alone like, um, let alone, you know, have money for alcohol and, and everything else, right? And with all of that that happens, like you can just like fill in the gaps and and sort of read between the lines in the sense of like no one, like people weren't willing to buy, people weren't willing to spend money, um, business was hard, um, the lockdowns and, and the restrictions started the following year around what you can travel and, and whatnot. But there's so much uncertainty to the degree where like I'm just trying to put food on the table for my kids and, and whatnot. And then I don't have alcohol to mask like this fear, anxiety, sadness and grief and all these emotions. And what happened for me, so coming back to the whole alcohol thing, what like the biggest thing for me was actually really just feeling emotion for what it is because when you don't use alcohol, like you really you've just got the mirror in you you've just got like your your emotions and you and nothing else and it's like being really present with like the true feeling of sadness and it sounds really fucked up but like really sitting in and being sad and just just feeling that emotion it's actually like it sucks but it's such a beautiful process to go through to like really feel what you're what's actually going on because one it allows you to process it a lot quicker and two allows you to be real like you know she'll be right is really useful for some times but she'll be right doesn't it's it's not a blanket approach to everything and it can't work for everything because there are times where it's it's 
you need to be sad. Like if you, if someone's passed away, if you know, if someone something bad happens and and you need to grieve or whatever the case is, like you need you need to feel those emotions because the longer that you prolong it, the the more it's just going to it is going to come up in one way or another. One way or another it will come out. And it's how that happens, which which is really the end of the day. Because a lot, especially for men, it will come out when you're drinking. Like most men, and I know this was the case for me. I'm of int- I didn't realize I was an introvert until I stopped drinking. <laughs> because I actually like I used to be the life of the party drinking and and you know, on Coke and all the other things. Um, talk to everyone and everything. Um but then I realized how much I really appreciate my quiet time and how much like my alcohol was just my my excuse to like talk about anything and everything that you want. Because you really like when you're at the pub and you're surrounded by blokes and what whatnot, that's when you really do hear the real stories typically. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until I took that away from myself, stopped going to the pub, obviously. And it really got me to a point like, oh, fuck, I really need to feel this emotion now. And, yeah, and so I think the the whole alcohol thing, again, it's it's more of like now I get to feel emotions for exactly what they are. And it's it's such a it's, – it's a really beautiful process and it also gives you a lot more stability. I think stability is probably the other thing. It's it's like you, you now know that no matter what happens – you're emotionally stable and resilient um, for a lot of different things. Like I have, um, I run a business. We have like um, eight different staff members. I also have like another seven different contractors all around Australia and all these other staff. And like, I need to be a leader to them. I need to be a leader in my family. I need to be a leader for myself. And I really, it's it's just come down to like, I just don't have time to, 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 <laughs> fuck around if you will um and and whatnot and there's so many other ways to have downtime without using alcohol and everything else as well yeah and i i think what i was going to say what i think is so interesting like as adults we do mask our emotion through alcohol um through distractions like you know phones whatever it is and it's like these little kids like going back to the kids like when they're expressing themselves they literally just express themselves, say how it is, get it out, like scream, throw yeah. the shit where it is. Real and then it's emotion. out of, the, yeah, and yeah. then it's out of their body. And then, you know what I mean? Like, whereas that's what we've been repressing in so many people. Absolutely. You know, like, I guess you've kind of been reparenting yourself. And yeah. I think we're doing the same. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's a really... That's right. Like our kids really do express their emotions as real and raw as it is. And then, you know, through life circumstances, workplaces and and um, etiquettes, if you will, around, you know, even with the like, even with the corporate world, when I used to work, you know, um, the the politics that you have to abide by and work through and like hiding emotion because having a poker face in meetings and and things when you're getting feedback and everything else um, is how you survive, is how you thrive. Um, But it's just, it it then like it can explode. Like I remember, like I still remember there was a time when I was working um, in the corporate world and I got this little, like it wasn't even, like massive feedback and I just started crying and this 
lady with like, I feel sorry for her. She's like a brand new manager. She gave me some feedback. She was quite direct, but it wasn't like, I wasn't crying because of that. I was just like, fuck, like, I don't even know why I'm crying. And she's like, you okay? I was like, yeah, like, I'm just like, and I could not stop crying. And I was like, and look, it's it's probably just a combination of just trying to keep it all together and and just keep going. But yeah, it it just comes out like that. Yeah. Oh, I know that. That's me. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, it would just go on and on and on, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, I was going to say with, you know, with our children and, you know, what I love about getting you on this podcast is that Jess has helped you lead the way into, you know, um, guiding your children in a different way and not using the rage. What would be one piece of advice you would have for us parents, you know, for Griffo and I and then for other parents that are listening? I think um, the biggest thing, and I, I I sort of mentioned it before, is is just seeing yourselves in your kids. Is like when you can see yourself, um, you you really like. Not only do you have sympathy because they are your kids, but like when you can really see yourself at the end of like this level thing of the layers. You know, your kid is just doing like they're expressing and and whatnot, and you can see yourself in them you really at the end of the day you realize especially if if you've got rage or you know a lot of untapped emotion you realize it's it's really just coming back to like childhood wounds and childhood stuff that's coming up um and so it's worth even just you know, being open to the conversation or being open to understanding, you know, what happened as a child for me that's now playing out in this circumstance or situation for, for you know, my kids and, and whatnot. And um, is there something that I can do about it? Um, like I went and I've gone and started seeing a, um, a kinesiologist or like I call her my therapist. She does like technically therapy and, um, but uh, like we do some, I look at it from a performance point of view rather than like I'm like I've I've never been clinically depressed or anything like that. Um, but I look at it as like you know sometimes it's good to be able to just go and talk about things and and speak to someone about things that's outside of my relationship. Um, because as much as Jess supports me, she's in like she's not only in my business, like the business that we run, but she's also like, I see her every day. We do everything together. And sometimes it's good to be able to have that conversation. Um, not only, not only about, you know, just pretty much everything, like whether it is life, whether it is money, whether it's business, whether it's whatever, um, just, I guess. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's, it's, there was an element of releasing as we talked about this Heidi the other day, like the releasing the pressure valve. Sometimes mm. it's, it's a matter of releasing the pressure valve. Um, but also it's, it's a matter of really just understanding, you know, where you have been as a child and, um, and exploring all of that as well. So, yeah. Yes. The pressure cooker. That's like what, you know, like, <laughs> what are you like? No, 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 it really does resonate. I think, and I've said it before as well, that you don't need to see a therapist if you haven't got some big dark demons, you know, it is just to refresh. It's even just talking with your mates. Like if you've got yeah. issues at home, you have a chat with someone else, um, 
at work or another mate and yeah. they would probably come back with you with a similar story and straight away you feel from up here to down here and you're like, fuck, I'm not the only person dealing with this crap. Yeah. And it doesn't absolutely. have to be a big issue, but straight away that weight is lifted. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Al, thank you so much for chatting to us. I know Griffo's going to go release some pressure and go for <laughs> Because I literally just got him as he, he came straight in the door from work. Yeah. So he hasn't even had any time to, to be a downer and have his own space yet. I was just going to say one other thing. How long was your partner, I shouldn't say at you, <laughs> until you started to go, oh, shit, because I know Heidi's been at me for a little while and I'm sure she's yeah. patiently for one day I'll crack in there. Yeah, I would say like I would say it was probably a good two years like process a good two years that it took me um because the other look here's the other thing and this is a a much bigger story that i'll try and like condense as much as possible for time but like there was also an element where when we had kids and and whatnot as much as i did want it i also didn't um and you know, I love my kids and everything else, but I'm I'm still a big child working all of that stuff out myself. And I think you like, and you, you guys can probably resonate. Like, you just you you're working it out. Like, there's no one who really has it all figured out. Like, everyone who says they do are lying, and everyone everyone's just guessing their way through parenthood, right? And so, as you're working all of this out, um, you know, I was still spending like even my daughter, my oldest daughter. She's eight now, but like for the first year and a half, and I'm probably a little bit ashamed to say this. Like I just, I was, I was there, but I wasn't there. Like I just, I wasn't really like the father that I could have been. And realizing that really had me wake the fuck up like very quickly. Um, and I, I probably realized it when my daughter wasn't. I could just tell she, I was like I she would treat me the same way that she would treat like my like my brother her uncle or other people I wasn't like and it wasn't until I was really present until about the 18 month mark that I could really see her open up and the moment that I seen her open up and like really come in like close because I was taking the time to be present I realized fuck like what have I been doing and so that was the beginning of it and then, you know, um, even well, look, even like me saying that, like that was the beginning of me realizing and opening up. But like, even you know, again, it's it's taken me a long, long time. Um, so I would say it's even longer than two years. But it's like everything; you sort of just grow into, you know, the person that you want to be. And and I think, I think it's it's just having the conversation about what. What sort of father do you want to be? What sort of husband do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be as a person? And realize, and then sort of looking at some of your actions and saying, do these align with like who who I say I am and who I want to be, and who I want to, you know, who I who do I want to be as a person? And so it was, yeah, it's hard to say. I'd say like, yeah, I I would think it's it's been a long time. But it was probably more intense for the like for a good two year period because I realized, um, yeah, it was yeah, it's pretty much when we started we moved up to the central coast. So that's four and a half four and a half years ago now. That that point in time, 
was really it was different because we didn't have like so before we lived in Western Sydney in Pen- a place called Penrith, and um, we were like we had you know Jess's mum and dad who were living next door to us, um, and they sort of helped with the kids. But it wasn't until we moved to the Central Coast, and we ha- didn't have that support, and that's that's when it really sort of hit me, I guess, as well, um, because I really had to step up, step up and be the man. That's yeah, so it, it's been a, a while, and it's and you know what, it's probably still happening as well. So I couldn't say that. Yeah, it's not something to be conquered, and it's like you've got the certificate. Yeah. You know, it's it's forever. Exactly. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it would have been a you know a struggle for a good couple of years of you yeah. trying that and not falling back to then try and get forward. And you probably beat yourself up along the way as well. Oh, absolutely. Want to go back there, but you are only human um, as long as you've got your eye on the prize and you're working towards it. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm, well, thanks, Al. Thank you so much. Do you have any other final questions? No, no he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go release that pressure. <laughs> go find a boxing <laughs> bag. Like that's what yeah. Al and I were talking about. And then, and then I kind of think of it like the pressure cooker, like, like yeah. Ready. But oh. that's ex- that's it, like, because yeah, the pressure cooker, like the when yeah. the moment that you take that little um thing off, and it, psh, yeah, that's exactly right. Not the yep. pressure of the other way, babe. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, uh, we'll finish it there. Thank you so much, Al. We'll drop the Mamma Mia article in the show notes below. Uh, we'll also drop your Instagram handle so people can get in contact with you. Um, I, we love talking to dads um, who, you know, have a story to tell. And thank you so much for being so open and honest about yours today. No worries. Well, thank you for having me. It was really good to catch up. And, yeah, and really appreciate everything that you've been doing for me as well. So, yeah, no, thank you. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Al. Nice to meet you, mate. Yay. Nice to meet you. If you're loving the podcast, make sure you rate and review. Lots of love.